Hello and welcome to the Chris Will Podcast on iCode Media. Today I'm going to have a great conversation with Dr. Tam Mai, uh, and he practices in Southern California, and he's sort of created this niche of, of his practice related to myopia management and scleral lenses and binocular vision, and he really did it in a way where he had this foundational belief about the profession of optometry, about himself as an optometrist, and his opportunity in the future of the profession. So I had a really great time talking to, to Dr. Mai today. Please enjoy our conversation. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. So today I want to talk about the MyDay Multifocal for just a second. It has been a really great thing in our practice for our patients who are presbyopes of all areas, but you know those tricky presbyopes are always the ones that are kind of emerging, where they don't want to give up any of their faraway vision, but they're having some struggles up close. And so what uh, the MyDay Multifocal has been able to do for us is to allow those patients to transition into a multifocal more easily. And then as we have those patients progress into other levels where they need more ad powers, it's been a nice, smooth transition. So the ultimate hurdle that we've seen in our practice before the MyDay Multifocal was that we'd have patients who would resist any transition to a multifocal lens because of that distance blur. We just haven't seen that. So if you haven't started using MyDay Multifocal in your practice, I would encourage you to start, check it out, uh, contact, reach out to your Cooper reps for those trial lenses uh, and commit to MyDay Multifocal for your patients. I think they're going to like it. If you haven't checked out Mackie Health yet for your patients in category one through category four, I think there's a lot of evidence that you should be considering. The first is if we just look at AREDS 2 and what they, they talk about, Mackie Health is a, so for patients in category three and category four um, AMD, Mackie Health is a great option for them that follows that entire, um, that entire protocol. And it also adds mesozeaxanthine to the mix, which if you look at some of the evidence, I believe shows me that it's going to thicken the macular pigment better than without mesozeaxanthine. It also uses the a correct AREDS2 dose of zinc uh, at 25 milligrams, and so you don't have to worry so much about the potential side effects of zinc. The other thing to, to think about, and it's beyond the scope of this, although you've probably heard me talk on other podcasts, is that in patients in category one and two, there may be some additional benefit uh, to supplementing them with something that may be a little bit less than the AREDS2, so you don't have to add as much to it. And that's where I use the Mackie Health LMZ3. And so I think if you haven't done this yet, I'd consider Mackie Health in your practice and for your patients. And it's been great for my patients, and, um, and we really feel like we can have the ability to uh, help those patients in all categories of macular degeneration. All right, Dr. Tom Mai. Yes. Thanks so much for doing this. Absolutely, my pleasure. Um, so we were trying to do this a, a couple times before, and the technology didn't work very well, so thanks yeah. for being flexible. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's a couple things I wanted to talk to you about. The sure. first one was the idea of myopia management, but actually I think that's probably a secondary conversation. Yeah. You know, one of the things you and I have been talking a, a little bit about is the idea of um, what's going on with private equity. It's not gone. What are yep. you seeing? Maybe not so much with private equity, but what are you seeing doctors who are my age, kind of in their, mm -hmm. their 40s, late 30s, 40s, uh, that sort of makes you think about what the future of things are going to hold? Yeah, good question. And I've been seeing this a lot. I, I teach at the college. I consult and talk to so many doctors. And one of the big things that I'm seeing these days is, of course, the staff turnover problems. But what I'm seeing is a lot of doctors want out. 
mm. more so than ever, or at least they are having those conversations now earlier than I think they should. And what happens is I'm running to my colleagues, they're in their 40s, and they're saying, Tan, you know, it's, it's been hard since COVID, and I'm thinking about selling my practice. And they've got, they should be practicing for a couple more decades. Yeah. And so they got out of school, yep. they cold started practice, yep. they put all this sweat equity in, yep. maybe 14, 15, you know, 12 to 14 years later, they're deciding, I want out. And largely it's because you think staff is, is hard, you know, gr the grind of owning the practice is mm -hmm. becoming uh, not what they had idealized when they started. Exactly. And that I feel like is more unique now be than before COVID. I think pre-COVID, those conversations were not happening with this type of doctors. They're like, yeah, I'm going to keep going for the next 20 years. And then something has changed in the last couple of years where they're starting to just feel like burned out basically. Mm. And they're having, you know, they've got a nice practice, $1.52 million practice, let's say. They've built it up over the last 15 years. And now the, 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 the carrot that's dangling in front of them from private equity is like, Here, I can give you a lump sum you know, amount of money. You know, you can put it away in the, in the low cost index fund afterwards if you want to and just live off the fat of the land, right? And it's very enticing. And these doctors are asking me and asking for my opinion, like, should I do it? Hmm. And uh, my opinion and, and my strong opinion is they should not. Yeah. And they should try to find things in optometry that they love. Um, and to me, that's the bigger issue. Um, I think they're running, but once they run, uh, where do they run to? You know, I think optometry is a great profession. And I think if they were to you know, lose their practices, they'd lose a great asset that they own. There's a reason why private equities are trying to pay you off to buy your practice, because they know that they can do better owning your practice and be more profitable than uh, even putting the money in the stock market. We were talking about that yeah. before we even started this thing. And so to me, the reason why it's a big topic is it's there's opportunity here too at the same time for those that are listening to this podcast yeah. and the li listeners of this podcast are some of the smartest docs in the country. I know? agree. If you're listening to this podcast, you're smart because you're interested in learning more and getting better. So here's the opportunity for a lot of you guys is that know that in the next five, 10 years, a lot of doctors are going to want out. I think more so than before, even mm. earlier than before, maybe five, 10, 15, 20 years yeah. earlier than we thought yeah. they should. And the conversations I have with private equity, I've talked to them. They, they want to buy my practice, but I'm, um, I'm nowhere, yeah. I'm never, nowhere close. Yeah. <laughs> so they're wasting their time on me, but they see my practice. We've got like a staff of 20. They, they, they'd love to take me over. Um, but uh, what, what I see is that those offices that are, um, you know, have, have the bigger offices, if you can keep your office and just do the things that you enjoy, doing a specialty, like yeah. might be a management, dry eye, um, octa diseases, scleral lenses. If you can find that type of love again, you're, it's way better off if you own it yourself. Um, and so that's what I'm seeing these days. Also, a big opportunity though, if you're listening to this podcast as well, is that these offices that are looking to sell earlier, you could be the guy to buy it. Right. It doesn't have to go to private equity. Exactly. Yeah. You could be, you know, uh, as long as you're structured and organized and have a team underneath you and you build a management structure underneath you. For instance, one of my patients, uh, he's a dentist. He owns like 84 practices. Holy cow. 84 dental offices. Oh my and he gosh. walks into my exam and he says, like, Ton, or, you know, Dr. Mai, like, you're, you're, I, you're so smart. I can see you're really, you're, you're good. And I, I've seen many other doctors. I, I am myself a dentist. And he's like, you're crazy just 
be here and just see patients like in spinning your wheels. Like if I were you, of course he thinks this way. Cause sure. he's got, got yeah, 84 that's, practice. Yeah, that's what he does. He's like, it? you need to, um, he says, if you, if I mentored you, you I'd, I'd retire you in three years. Hmm. You need to start buying these practices out. He says now more so than ever in his experience, he had 40 offices two years ago Jeez. and now he's got 80 and he says COVID helped him. Yep. The reason why is because, you know, if I would do like a SWOT analysis of optometry, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, the weakness and, and the weaknesses a lot of optometrists are just kind of getting burdened by the administrative side of things. Yeah. The reimbursement rates are stagnant. Uh, but the opportunity is that a lot of doctors want out. Yeah. And so the opportunity for a uh, doc that's energetic is to be like this dentist that has went from 40 to 80 locations. You could be... You can think like a shark. You can yeah. think like private equity and start buying these practices and start creating the team infrastructure around them that you don't have to be there running it. And so I think that's a big opportunity as well. I think that's, a, yeah. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. And I also, so, so the idea of saying, look, there are these practices. Now, there's two, two challenges there. The first challenge is that the, uh, the practices that are selling are looking at what you can offer as an individual compared to what private equity can offer as, as a big conglomerate. Yep. Uh, and they're saying, well, if you can't pay me this, then I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna sell you my, my practice for less. Yep. Um, and I think that's one challenge. The other challenge is if you do that, do you become private equity yourself, right? right not right. technically private equity, but yeah. functionally, you know, the, the one thing that I, I, I think that, uh, there are opportunities for different modes of practice, for sure, and mm -hmm. and I don't think there's one mode that that uh, is is bad per se mm -hmm. by the nature of it. But I think ultimately, if you if you want to have the the um, the best opportunity to serve your patients' needs and have control yeah. of all of it, that's private practice, and that's why I, I think private practice is so important. It doesn't mean that you can't do that outside of it. Yeah. It just means that private practice allows for the the best control over that doctor-patient relationship and the experience that patient has. And so, if you want if you want to maximize that, the easiest way, the most effective way, in my opinion, is is uh, is through private practice. But then, if you own too many practices, then when do you become? When does that private practice just become? a big yeah. corporate practice. They, What's your thoughts on that? You're no different, right? And so I, I kind of go back to the conversation that I have with my dentist, yeah. uh, a patient who right. owns 84 practices. His model is this. Um, he'll own 50% of that practice, but then an independent, you know, yep. like a, a, a doctor owner owns at least 50%. Mm. Or some of, the, some of his uh, uh, um, circumstances are that he owns only 25% hmm. and the doctor owns 75%. So in that scenario, it's still very much independent. Right. He helps out. He helps out with their marketing. But each practice has its own exactly. feel. Exactly. Yeah. Each, uh, each practice is not, it's not, it's not under his name. Right. It has actually a unique name that the doctor that's working there comes up with. The doctor that owns it um, with him hires the staff, creates the, you know, all the branding and all that. So it's very independent. Yeah. He happens to just be there to help facilitate it and help grow it. But at the same time, he doesn't own 100% of all of them and they're under his corporate name and they run all his systems. He's just there to help them. And ideally, give them the systems that are very unique. It's very similar to Vision Source. Vision yep. Source doesn't own all these practices. Vision Source is very good. I'm in Vision Source, so I've, I've got a commercial bias for Vision Source. <laughs> um, but um, So do I. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> We're so the same. I. Yep. And I love Vision Source because they don't say, you can brand yourself as Vision sure. Source. Yep. You could be Vision Source and look very corporate in a way, right? Yep. But at the same time, Vision Source is very good about saying, you know what, I want to keep independent optometry, independent optometry. You, are, you can do whatever you want. 
we give you tools and resources, but at the same time, you're the doctor owner, and it's still very much a private practice. Well, that's I think the yeah. the that is the the good advantage with Vision Source. I think it's a misnomer, uh, but but the reality is is that in your, your practice and in my practice, we could there's all these things that we have access to within Vision Source, yeah. and we could decide, well, I want all of it, or I want yeah. this piece and this piece and this piece, or I want none of it, yep. and. I just want all the the idea sharing and I'm going to figure out still how to do it on my own, but I'm going to pick everybody else's brain and use their insight and then kind of customize these things. I don't like that wouldn't be to my benefit probably mm-hmm. as much, but, um, but I could do that. Uh, and so I think I like that, that idea of, of keeping ownership local, or at least a component of that ownership yeah. local. Was it, does it wind up being that the, the doctors that sold, are still the owner doctors, the partners, or most of them sold and then he brought in a new doctor and gave them some opportunity for ownership? Yeah, most of the time. So his, he's very pro-private practice for yeah. dentistry. Yep. As, they, as you know, they're going very corporate and yes. PE is actually it's very big. It's bigger than, than it is in optometry yes. right now. Actually, a good thing to learn is the best ideas and always outside our industry. Right. right. And so they've got their DSO models and all this stuff. And I think dentistry is a little bit in orthodontistry is a little bit before optometry for mm. a lot of these type of things in terms of how they educate patients and how they structure yeah. their businesses. They're yeah. a little bit before us actually. And so you can kind of watch these models happening in other industries first and know that it's gonna come here then. Mm. You know, uh, Just like we've got problems with online uh, glasses, they've got online braces now. Right. You, know, you can get Smile yeah. Direct Club and that's like, that, that's like a big multi-billion dollar company, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyways, um, when it comes to these ideas from other industries, in dentistry, it's already happening with the, uh, with these corporations that he is pro pro fire practice and by making so that and I, I do believe that the best best models the best patient care happens in a private practice I believe that yep um, in fact I, I feel like when a private equity company knocks off an optometry practice I would think that cults start nearby well I like, think there's yeah. some people that I know that have done that and yeah. they and they just they're like this is gonna be a it's gonna be a windfall because yep. the p- patients in this community are used to having great care yep and uh, for whatever reason, those doctors either can't keep continue to provide that great care or decide they're going to leave because their contract gets up. And so those patients want something else to go to, that's something that feels similar to why they started going there in the first place. Exactly. And now it feels like this entity that they didn't start with, so they want that. And I agree. I think that, that there's all those opportunities as well, like right across the street. Exactly. And, and you're asking a quick question. What happens to the selling doctor, yeah. to, to this guy that owns 84 practices? Uh, most of the time, the selling doctor uh, wants out. Yep. <laughs> That's why they're selling. And so they'll stick on for like a year. And then he usually has a young dentist fresh out of school. And and he says, I asked him, is it hard to find these people? He goes, no. There's so many dentists right now that work in corporate change that Mm. they want out. They want their own private practice. They yep. want to make the decisions. They want to hire their own but team. But they can't afford it or exactly. they don't think they know how to do it. They're scared. The number one thing is fear. Yep. They just they don't have the tools. They're just scared of making the leap. Yep. And so his big uh, proposition to them is, I will remove the fear from you. Mm. I've done this 84 times. <laughs> All of them are multi-million dollars now. Mm. If you just like take, uh, join me, basically, yep. I'll take you under my wing. And, and you'll be the owner. You, you, you'll be the majority of owner a lot of the times. So yeah. A lot of them own 75%. And for them, that's like, yes, that's what I'm looking out. I'm trying to get out of corporate. 
I want into private practice. And so, um, does he ever yeah. want to sell the whole thing to those doctors? Like, is that ever an opportunity? So where he, he would own 50% for say 10 years. And now that new yeah. doctor is like, look, I, I want to have the rest of this and I want to, I want to buy you out. And he gets to, to reap the benefits of that. That's part of the model or not really good question. I'm not sure, yeah. but my conversation with other, I, I, I talked to another optometrist in the UK who owns 150 locations or so like over hundred in the hmm. UK. And I, I, I don't think that is in place. I think it's, I'm just gonna own it forever. Right. Right. Uh, I, I'm sure though in the contract, there's some sort of buyout between the two. There's, uh, I know talking to, I had a conversation with someone that works underneath that guy and they were saying how, um, they, they actually don't want, um, so in this, my dentist, he'll sometimes own 25% only, but they say that's actually very dangerous in right. their opinion. I was asking them about right. that because they say this, if it's not 50, 50, let's say the optometrist that you partner with shows up to work drunk, yeah. like dead drunk, lie on the ground. Like just something's really going wrong. Right. And they own 75%. Yeah. You can never get rid of that person. Right. So they, they say in their model, you always want to have a, a way for both people to get rid of each other. Yeah. And so the 50-50 is what they recommended, mm. and that's what they do with their 100-plus locations. And they're very pro-fire practice, too. And so they say cause, because they want the ability for each side to be able to equally negotiate when they want the other person yeah. gone. Oh, yeah. So I would think that, yes, uh, there's probably maybe not a stipulation, it's going to happen in 10 years, but there's always a stipulation of if we want out, we got to right. be able to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so then, so I want to round this out because the uh, other thought I, I had is maybe you're – Maybe you don't want to own a whole bunch of practices. Yep. You're happy. You've built a $2 million practice or a $1.5 million practice or a $1 million practice. And you're saying, look, yeah. I'm, I'm netting 30% yep. and I'm super happy with this. I don't need to own that. I don't want the headache of doing all this other stuff, but I'm tired of the grind. Yep. I'm tired of the seeing the same patients over and over and over again. So that's where we, we talk about adding a pillar to your practice, whether it's yeah. ocular surface disease or other ocular disease or anterior segment sort of specialty contacts or orthokeratology, myopia mm -hmm. management. Yep. Why do you think, when you think they're, uh, they're the burden of saying, I'm gonna sell this thing that I've worked so hard for the last 15 years to grow, yeah. or I can just work on this little, I can tinker here mm -hmm. and do a little bit better and get kind of excited about this other thing. Yep. Why do you think that seems to be a harder challenge than to abandon this asset that you've gotten mm -hmm. and, and offload it to somebody else than to say, let me tinker in my practice and spend a little bit more time doing something that I think could excite me. Yeah. Uh, when you work with, with practices specifically on myopia management, yeah. why do you think it's hard for doctors to make that change, make that adjustment to add something else as opposed to saying, I really just want out? Yep, yeah. I think doctors, they, they're, they're, um, they're kind of like too lazy to be lazy mm. in a way. So let me, tell you, let, me, let me tell you what that means. Like, uh, <laughs> I don't mean it in a mean way, but no. basically if you wanted to be really lazy, you would get into your specialty and put in the work because ultimately that would get you there. Like there's this great principle that I love called Pareto's principle. You probably heard Pareto's of it. Pr principle. Pareto's principle. Pareto's. I haven't heard of it. Oh, let's talk about it right now. Yeah. So this guy, let's say you, you are planting peas, right? He knows that if you're planting peas and you're trying to do farm, a big pea farm, that 20% of the crops will actually produce 80% of the output. Yeah. And the other 80% of the peas, he could just burn them. Hmm. And they only give him like 20%. And what happens though is that unless you weed out that 80%, 
then you're constantly grinding away and trying to grow peace and busting your butt. Mm. In optometry, that's what's happening in optometry. Mm. Most doctors, if you look at your patient base in any private practice, it probably follows these these genetic roles that nature has given us. Like we, and what that means is that probably 20% of your patients give you 80% of your revenue. Mm. I bet you if you looked at your, your break, breakdown of all your patients, like count your, uh, th- the last thousand patients, yeah. probably 20 or maybe 30% of them give you 70 to 80% of your revenue. Yeah. So what ends up happening is you, you're literally spinning your wheels on the other 70 to 80% of your patients and going nowhere. Yeah. And so might be a manager, that's where that ties in. Those are definitely part of the 20%. Yeah. Like in our office, we could, um, we decided, and the reason why I love privacy optometry is that I'm getting away from the grind, yeah. is that uh, we dropped actually um, all medical insurances. We only take two vision plans right now, wow. which we can eventually drop. We could actually drop all primary care if we wanted to, like, and shut down the optical, and I'd be fine. Yeah, I'd be fine. I, I'd be completely happy, <laughs> you know. And the reason why is because we focus on the specialties like myopia management, yep. orthokeratology. Uh, we do a lot of. I do a lot of scleral lenses as well, personally, and then and then also my my partner does vision therapy. If you go to a conference. If you go to these conferences like COVD, oh yeah. Uh, if you go to the Vision by Design conference for orthokeratology and myopia, those doctors are the most They're happy on doctors. Fire. Those guys are like, yep. if, you, if you go to a COVD conference, everyone's like, literally like, yes, yeah, like optometry, <laughs> yeah. and it's so unique. You don't get that at a Vision Expo. You don't get that at a lot of conference. And the reason why is because their the, the, the entire practice is the twenty percent. Yeah, and that's everything else they've dropped and it's not a grind those yep. patients are showing up they're happy they're paying you privately you don't have to have an army of staff like if i got rid of 80 percent of your patients yeah uh and you only lost 20 percent revenue guess what not that you'd want to but now you don't need 80 percent as much staffing for yeah. instance. and that's the number one problem in optometry right now that i've right. talked to is right. staffing all of a sudden doing a specialty helps alleviate that staffing problem because you can actually trim back on some of those wheels you're spinning. And so, you know, if you don't have to see 35 patients a day to make it, you can see five. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, you know let's say a my way management patient or a scleral lens patient yeah. or a uh, vision therapy patient uh, gives you $3,000 on average. Yeah. So my practice, our average revenue per patient is over $1,000. Right. Average. And because all we care about is a specialty. So we decided at the very beginning, I'm only caring about the 20% basically the specialties yep. and for another office that 20% is our entire office yep and we opened cold six years ago and we didn't care at all about selling a pair of glasses we, we sold them because you know patient comes in they want to get some right but we all of our marketing all of our networking creating the relationships in the community talking to therapists other optometrists ophthalmologists get referrals we said I'm not gonna spin my wheels trying to see a lot of patients today I'm gonna go out in the community I'm gonna mm. meet someone and that that's so uncomfortable for most people exactly but that was what, it uncomfortable for you it was at first yes but it gets easier with yes. time everything it, does exactly yeah. but that hour you spend with a ophthalmologist so I, i'll give you an example my entire my entire schedule I, my myopia has grown so much that my associates do a lot of it and my other partner my most of my schedule 80 percent of it's just scleral lenses yeah it's just scleral 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 yeah. after follow-up dispense consult all day long yep. now how did I do that in six years? Um, all I did was just take corneal specialists out to lunch. Yep. That was it. Yep. Literally, that was it. And that one hour lunch is uh, worth more than seeing like six months worth of patients. Yeah. That one hour of lunch, because that corneal specialist starts just dumping all their patients onto my schedule. Yep. And so the optometrist that does that, 
it, and to me, I'm, I'm surprised because I'm in Southern California. I'm in a densely populated yeah, metropolitan area yep. with so many optometrists. I figured someone else had to have done this before and met these acquired specialists. But the answer was no. Yep. <laughs> they were like, oh, I'm glad to meet someone that fits scleros. I'm yeah. like, you've been here for like 30 years. How, <laughs> yeah. How come me, who I, I've just graduated, you know, from practicing for a few years, open this practice cold is, is like one of the first lunches you've had. It's because most optometrists are scared of lunch yeah. with someone else. They're just scared. But if you do that type of work, it's, it's you being, uh, you know, don't, that, that little bit is just a huge lever. And the creating relationships is how you create a tighter way of new patients in those specialties. Uh, for myopia management, 65% of our patients are referred by another optometrist. Yeah. And so um, a lot of times they're, they're working in corporate, they're working in, they don't have time for my brain management. It takes a lot of yeah. time. I create those relationships with them. They start referring us a bunch of patients. They don't think yeah. they have a lot of time. Exactly. But they could create it. They could create it. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Because it's so sad. If they like one of the things that we have in Vision Source is the myopia management protocol. Yeah. And one of the things that you were big, really big about is talking about the fee structure. Yeah. And calculating that as compared to how much you'd make doing primary care and pricing it accordingly yeah. so that you're, you're, you're not spinning your wheels. Yeah. Right. You're agnostic. You can you can take the time it takes to do that. And you're still and and yeah, and it's worth it. It's worth your time. You're not you're eliminating the idea of because yeah. the 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 gnaw and I think it's subconscious, but the gnaw in the back of the brain, when you haven't thought about the value of the services you're providing and yeah. pricing those services appropriately, exactly. then in the back of your brain, when things go don't go wrong, when your process has a speed bump, mm -hmm. you're thinking, Ugh, I could have just seen this patient and sold him a pair of glasses. Yes. And, and you got to eliminate that from your thinking. And the way you eliminate it is to, to uh, on the front end, calculate all of the time that you're going to spend yep. calculate all of the and make it worth that time mm -hmm. and then when it when it when it doesn't go the way you you wanted it to and you have to learn more you have to yep. think about how am i going to improve this specific situation and learn how to do this better you don't care because you've already calculated the time it's going to take to do that exactly that the reason why i love practicing is if a patient wants to spend an hour with me i'm like cool let's yeah. do it and I'll, let's say they ask for it. I'll, I'll do it because my prices are so high. <laughs> well, I mean, not, not in a bad way, but I'm saying yeah. like, uh, not, not. They're high enough so that you can be comfortable exactly. spending an hour with them. I, I can be like, if they say, hey, uh, Dr. Mai, I had a bad day. I'm like, oh, you know, my, my, some, some dogs are just too fast. They're like, oh, okay, you had a bad day, whatever. I'm going to keep yep. going my eyes up. I go, well, I stop everything. Why? And they'll say, oh, you know, my, my, uh, my mother just passed away. Mm. Something sad, and I'll be like, "Oh my gosh, that's that's horrible." And we'll have a conversation about yeah. that. We'll develop a rapport. Um, we'll send flowers to their house. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll uh, you know, when kid graduates from uh, you know kindergarten yeah. <laughs> or high school, we'll we'll send a box of chocolates. We'll like do things like that. We have a prize counter where we we have like Chuck E. Cheese prizes and yeah. things like that. Like we make You're it building a, relationships. We're building relationships like that, and because the reason why. It's because we spent time with the patient. The reason why we can spend time with the patient is because we set our fees right. If you don't set your fees right, you can't do all those things because you got you to gotta pay your rent, yep. you got to pay your staff. You, you can't spend an hour on every patient. But if you set your fees right, you can create such a great environment in your practice where the relationships are great, the staff is not overworked because I could see five patients a day and, and pay all the bills. Yep. And, uh, and I don't need an army of staff if that happens. Uh, and then they're not rushed as well. And when you create that practice where you're looking, you know, you're doing Preto's principle in your practice, you're ignoring the 80%. You're going to dive into myopia, dry eye, um, scleral lenses, vision therapy, 
that's where you can love optometry. And that's where we kind of got sidetracked in a way with the private equity stuff because yeah. uh, we wanted to talk about myopia first. Yeah. But the reason why uh, we talked about that is because that's what's, to me, that's what's, the best thing of optometry is the future of optometry. And it's getting better every day, in my opinion. Yeah. And the, the fact that we can do these things, like myopia wasn't a big deal five years ago. We weren't talking about right. it as much. Right. But to me, it's a, it's a game changer. It's, it's a tidal wave. There's, unfortunately, myopia is just going from COVID. Yeah. And if you price it accordingly, if you spend the time with those patients, no one in healthcare is doing it. So when we talk about other industries, right. no one in healthcare spends time with patients anymore Yeah, <laughs> because of managed care and a lot of reasons. When you are that weird, um, there's a good book by Seth Godin called Purple Cow. Mm. And he's a great- Kimbo, mar- yep. Yeah, a Kimbo mm-hmm. guy, yeah, exactly. He's got a great podcast I listen to as well. And um, he's like, in all of healthcare, let's say you're that purple cow setting your, your, your patients' flowers when they, their mothers pass away, donating to cancer societies in the, on behalf of patients when you know, things go wrong like that. Yeah. When you're that weird purple cow doctor that does that and sponsoring the local baseball team and things like that, they're like, this place is so different. Yeah. The word of mouth goes Poof. So at all practice, all online reviews looks like we're, looks like we're cheating. We have <laughs> like hundreds and hundreds of online reviews from Google, Yelp. All, all of them are five stars. Yeah. Like literally all of them except for like one crazy guy. <laughs> but <laughs> we all like, have one. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks like we're cheating. Um, because, but how did we cheat? All I did was I spent time with patients. I only cared about the 20%. Dr. Tam Mai. Yeah. Thanks so much for, for doing this. This is an awesome conversation. Thanks for having it. Uh, I, I think that you've inspired a lot of us to kind of rethink about the way we practice and figure out how we can kind of focus on that 20%. Yeah, focus on the 20%. And then, you know, then slowly look at your schedule and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, spend time with those patients. And you'll never want to leave optometry. Yeah.